Hey, students, happy Monday. You're listening to Answers to Gospel Questions. It's the last Monday of February, and uh, Brother Wing is here with me, Brother Lawson. And can you feel spring in the air, Brother Wing? Oh, yeah, it's starting to really warm up. Yes. Physically. (laughs) Spiritually and physically. That's, That's fantastic. Well, spiritually, I mean, how far away do you live from the new Bentonville, Arkansas Temple? Oh, I'm uh, like 15 minutes. Unbelievable. That thing is going to be, it's going to be dedicated on, was it September 17th? Yeah. The open house is coming up soon. That's going to be pretty awesome. That's pretty great. We all, uh, it's, uh, I I love spring. Spring is a great time of year. It's a a great time to, uh, especially here in the Ozarks, right before we turn into a a furnace of affliction called summer. (laughs) But during that summer, we'll be able to go visit the open house of the temple. Yes. And just totally pit out. It is so hot in the summer and humid. <laughs> they got good. They'll have great AC in that temple, I'm sure. Yes, that's that's true. Hopefully they have like, sometimes at these open houses, they have cookies and stuff. Do you know if they'll have cookies at this open house? No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm hoping so. Maybe some well, students. Beans. <laughs> it's uh, maybe pork and beans. It is in Arkansas, so it's probably going to be pork and beans <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hog jowls, pork yeah. rinds. That's what it'll be: pork rinds, pork and beans, hog jowls, all those things. Delicious. That'll that'll count. As, they used to do uh, they used to do those uh, cultural celebrations when a temple was dedicated, and they they don't do those anymore. But I think that's that would be a pretty good representation of Arkansas culture. I think if they had those food items, prepared. yeah, we call the hogs and we would do a lot of great stuff. <laughs> All right, students. This week um, we're going to we're going to answer a question uh, that that maybe maybe some of you have thought about before. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, as you're reading scriptures on your own, you're coming up with your own questions. But today, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 8 and explore two stories, one with a leper and one with a centurion. And uh, one of these two people, one of these two guys is going to represent you. And you can, you can ask for yourself, answer for yourself, what is your relationship like with Jesus Christ? Is it more like uh, the one with the leper or the relationship that the centurion had with the Savior. And I think that might just identifying that relationship, I think, can um, can help you view these stories and maybe get some revelation on what actions to take next. So let's take a look, first of all, in, in Matthew chapter 8, where Jesus heals this leper. Now, Brother Wing, you probably in your life have never met a leper before. Is that true? No, I I haven't, but I have sons and they like to play in the mud all the time. So maybe that counts a little bit. <laughs> yes, no, it doesn't. I've met I've met a leper in real life in the world. I have met one. Uh and it was on my mission. And he lived in a leper colony. Um, he had leprosy is also called Hansen's disease. Um it basically is a disease where you get wounds, open wounds, and they they can't be healed. Um, there was uh, there was a belief among the Jews that leprosy was 
highly contagious and it is it is contagious but not like like you can you have to have extended exposure to a leper but people thought like if they got in the vicinity if they were breathing the leper's air they would get leprosy and so lepers were ostracized there's your monday word for you they were just like pushed away from everybody they had to walk down the street saying unclean unclean they had bells on their clothes to warn people here i come and people were just diving out of the way they didn't want to be anywhere near uh anywhere near these lepers maybe one of the hardest things about it i was thinking you know for, for me if i was a leper one of the hardest things would be um not being able to worship in a temple and that's the case with these lepers they weren't able to to go there uh the leprosy is mentioned all the time in the bible but i want you to consider like let's just consider the state the the social and spiritual state of this leper who approaches uh, Jesus in chapter eight and try to see if there's any part of him that we can relate to. All right. Here's a man that's in a condition where he is totally just at the mercy of anyone who will give him mercy. And not a lot of people want to give him mercy. All right. So what can we learn from the leper brother Wayne? Well, I really appreciate your context that you offered because you look at how chapter eight starts and it says great multitudes followed mm -hmm. Jesus, and yet then there comes a leper worshiping him. Yeah, what do you think would have happened to those great multitudes when they see the leper coming? Yeah, so that that's just an interesting thing. So this leper is, you know, exercising great faith and even some uh, self-love, I would say, like some, some self-respect, you know, that he's recognizing that he's probably doing something socially difficult and yet he wants to be healed and he recognizes who Jesus is. And so he makes this really bold statement. If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Like he knows that Jesus can do this um, if Jesus chooses to do it. And so right. he's, he's even kind of open. I, I, the way that the phrase sounds is he's open to the idea that Jesus might not choose to heal him, even though mm -hmm. Jesus can. And there's an expression of faith there. Uh, but Jesus does say, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy was clean. But I should mention first that Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. Oh, and man. Can you imagine what everybody thought when that happened? Yeah. Yeah. And there's there goes the principle then that whatever Jesus touches is healed. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh there's a powerful statement that I know that goes with that. I'll let you share that um, from President Hunter. But I mean, this is a significant uh, story that would have been if there's great multitudes following him, then here's another great multitude who sees this miracle and recognizes again, or more powerfully, who Jesus is and what he can do. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting, too, like when that leper, I was wondering, how did the leper know? that Jesus could, could heal him. Maybe he heard of Jesus healing others. That might've been, that might be the obvious answer, but you know what I like to think, brother wing, I like to think that maybe that leper, he knew the story of Naaman in the old Testament, right? And he recognized that Jesus was Jehovah and that Naaman was healed of his leprosy hundreds, hundreds, maybe thousands of years before this leper ever approached uh, Jesus. And so so I think hearing the word of God, I think for sure the leper had heard the word of God and believed 
And so now he can rely on Jesus. It would have been difficult, I think, for the leper to exercise faith to be cleansed if he hadn't, if he wasn't familiar with who Jesus was and his word. Um, you mentioned this this quote. There's a there's a quote by uh, President Howard W. Hunter. He was only the prophet for nine months, and he struggled with a lot of physical ailments. Um, you remember when he he actually fell over in. Um, was it general? It was general conference that he fell over. Uh, and he was so worried that he'd embarrassed the church, but he popped right back up and, and finished his, finished his talk. But president Hunter said this, whatever Jesus lays his hands upon lives. If Jesus lays his hands upon a marriage, it lives. If he's allowed to lay his hands on a family, it lives. We could extend that quote to any aspect of our life any aspect of our life. I think it would be Satan that would convince us that, oh, well, Jesus is not going to touch that part of your life. That part of your life, even Jesus wouldn't approach. But here, uh, Jesus approached Jesus approached the most heinous situation in the minds of people, a leper, and he healed, he healed that leper. Um, there's another situation here, Brother Wing, where he where a, where a Roman soldier approaches Jesus and desired a blessing. Again, imagine this multitude of Jews who are in captivity to the Romans, and all of a sudden a Roman soldier shows up and starts and, and asks, similar to the leper, a blessing uh, for him and, his fam and, and for his people. Uh, what can we learn from the centurion? Yeah, I really like how you set this up because to even just try to imagine how they developed the faith. How did the leopard try to develop this faith? Um, in essence, you're saying there's an answer to the question of how do we today develop a believing heart mm -hmm. like this leper or like this centurion who here is a um, Roman officer. He's got high power um, and he comes and makes a similar faithful statement, just like this leper had. He has a servant who is sick and wants and grievously tormented, it says. Um, I recently looked at the footnote and learned that the Greek translation for servant, it could have been his own son or child that, Interesting. Was, that was healed here, but might have been a servant, might have been a, a family member. But anyway, he said, um uh this so that he wants him to be healed and Jesus says I will come and heal him you know and yet the centurion is like I'm not worthy for you to for you to come in my house and whatever that means um exactly it could have just been that hey look I'm a gentile I know this is weird you know and probably shouldn't have you come into my gentile home but then here's the statement he says but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And then he even explains that a little bit more because he, he explains, look, I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. I say, go and go. People go. I say, do this and they do it. Like he's, he's essentially saying, I understand authority and I know that you have authority. And therefore, if you speak it, it's done. And so there's, again, a very powerful testimony of faith that the that he witnesses here 
uh, by this. And Jesus even pauses at this moment to point this out, <laughs> you yeah. know, that, that how, how remarkable this is that he's, he's developed, this Gentile has developed this kind of faith in Jesus. And he, and Jesus points that out. He even says, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Yeah. And even, even goes so far as to say, there's going to be a lot of Gentiles that develop this kind of faith. And yet there's going to be a lot of people who are of the house of Israel that are, are, uh, find themselves in outer darkness. He says, because they don't, they reject or, uh, don't, don't follow or don't, um, have the, take advantage of the opportunities that they have to develop faith in Jesus. And so, and then, uh, as the story goes, um, he says, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. So it was just as the centurion had requested and proclaimed that Jesus had this power to speak the word only, and he would be healed. I think that that is, I, I think that there were two miracles. Go with me here for a second, Brother Wing, on this one. I think there was two miracles here. Uh, the, obviously, the the healing of that servant. But also, this guy, this Roman uh, soldier, the centurion, I think we could probably say he was unrighteously judging himself. Like in another account in Luke, the elders of the Jews kind of uh, stood up for this, not that they had to, but they they piped up for uh, this centurion and they told Jesus, hey, this guy's a good guy. He built us, he built us a synagogue. This guy really likes the, he really likes the Jews. Now remember, these are occupiers. These are people who have, have taken over the, I mean, it's just like another country coming in and taking over you. And, um, and this guy had built them a synagogue. And I think this guy, the centurion may have been unrighteously judging himself as not worthy of, of being, able to be touched by the savior or to have the savior lay his hand on his life. Um, can you imagine? Yeah. He did have enough faith to approach the savior and say, don't do this for me, but do it for my servant. Who's such a good person. I think the second miracle is, is when Jesus says to him, uh, just compliments him and says, I have not found so great a faith, not in all of Israel. Like you pointed out. I think that that probably was just a wonderful thing for that centurion to he- to hear and and help him understand that you know maybe I maybe the savior is viewing me different than I'm viewing myself. I'm viewing myself as a as not part of the tribe so to speak, but that's not how Jesus views me. He he views me as a child of God and one who has potential. I just I just have a different genealogy than the rest of these people who are following him. Yeah, you know, it's a great scripture study skill to kind of recognize like why the gospel writer is putting these stories together or describing them in this way. Like, why does Matthew put these two stories together um, as he does? And perhaps he's trying to show us multiple examples because he goes on after this too in the rest of the chapter, like multiple examples of healings and power and what Jesus can do. But maybe these two stories alone, you get the contrast here that here's a leper who has to socially kind of come up to exercise the faith to get healed, like enter this large group, you know? And then here's this centurion who socially seems to enter <laughs> down yeah. um, to be healed, to like go to the, the lowly Jews to, to find healing for his servant. And yet 
what happens in the end is not only are they both healed, but they are both instilled with with confidence and love. And I think yeah. that's the same for us as we, whether the, the Lord is inspiring us to stand up for ourselves and come up mm-hmm. or he's telling us to abase ourselves and be humble. Either way we go to the Lord, he's going to, we're going to see ourselves as he sees us and it's going to instill us with great confidence um, and hope. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Wayne. Excellent job. Let me just remind everybody that quote that we shared from uh, President Hunter, whatever Jesus lays his hands upon lives. If Jesus lays his hands upon a marriage, it lives. If he lays, if he is allowed to lay his hands on the family, it lives. The Savior can lay his hands on anything in your life that you need to live or be healed. Uh, and so learn from the leper and learn from the centurion and go to him. Students, thanks for listening to this episode of Answers to Gospel Questions. Uh, we there's we've seen like a pretty big uptick in listeners. Uh, we can see demographics. We see there's uh, about half of our listeners are between the ages of 20 and 27, and the other half are over that age. If you are over that age of 20 through 27, quit listening. Just kidding. No, you keep listening, but share this with some YSAs, especially some young single adults. Uh, just if you know how to share, <laughs> you probably know how to share. <laughs> Ask a YSA to help you share the podcast with someone else. Just kidding. We know you all know how to how to share it. We love your guts, everybody. Stay righteous. <laughs>